Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Grace and peace be multiplied to each of you this evening in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. What a joy, blessing, and privilege it is to worship King Jesus with you tonight and specifically to have this opportunity to stand behind this prayer desk to proclaim to you the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. I'm grateful for my new friend, Pastor Joby, and I'm grateful for the witness and work of this church in our city and community and all that God is doing in, through, and beyond 1122. You are just meeting me, but you have a cheerleader in town and didn't even know it. <laughs> I rejoice in all that God is doing and pray that your dreams are even greater than your memories. And I'm grateful and thankful. I know that this is a special week in the life of the church, and I just, again, want to publicly, as I have privately, thank Pastor for the opportunity to be with you tonight. If you'd get your copy of God's Word, I want to get right down to business. Let me breathe a word of prayer, and then I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 6, and then together we'll consider what God will say to us tonight out of what He has already said to us in His Holy Word. Our Father in heaven, we do praise you for every expression of your goodness, greatness, and graciousness toward us. Above all, tonight we praise you for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our all-sufficient prophet, priest, and king. In his name now we ask that our worship would go higher as you deepen our understanding of your word. Be our teacher. Help us tonight to lay aside all malice, deceit, envy, hypocrisy, and evil speaking, so that as newborn babes we may crave the pure spiritual milk of your word and grow thereby, having tasted of your goodness. I pray, Father, that you would draw tonight to yourself those who should be saved, bring them to an end of themselves, and lead them to saving faith in Christ. I pray that you would grant me physical strength and spiritual energy to speak the word with faithfulness, clarity, authority, passion, wisdom, humility, and freedom. And as the seed of the word is planted in water tonight, only you can make it grow. And we reserve for you, as always, the highest praise and full credit for the fruit that shall come from this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, let me read verses 9 through 13. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, amen. We know that these verses record the Lord's prayer. And tonight, I just want to lift one of the petitions of this prayer for us to meditate on. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. The first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer focus on the glory of God. 
his name, his kingdom, his will. The remaining petitions focus on our needs, our daily bread, our debts, our temptation, our deliverance. But in this transition in the Sermon on the Mount, we do not find competing or conflicting priorities. It is not as if Jesus here is teaching us in prayer to start out focusing on God's priorities and then after we get God's priorities out of the way, then we are able to address our priorities. As the transition happens from God and his glory to us and our needs. God still occupies the place of priority. When we pray about God's name, God's kingdom, God's will, we express devotion to God. When we pray about our daily bread and the forgiveness of our debts and protection from temptation, deliverance from evil, we are expressing dependence upon God. I want you to catch that. When the, when the prayer that Jesus teaches us to be a model, when this prayer shifts and God is no longer the subject of the prayers, he is still the object of the prayers. It's still all about him. When our prayers go from God's kingdom to our kitchen, we are still praying about God's kingdom. In this model prayer, Jesus is teaching us to make God's priorities our priorities. And when we get to this petition, Jesus reminds us, he reveals to us that you, child of God, are God's priority. In this petition, when Jesus begins to teach us how to address our personal needs before the throne of grace, it is not that he orders the God-focused prayers and then you are free to pray about whatever you want to pray about. He sets the agenda even when we are praying for our own needs. And the first thing Jesus says that we should pray about, even when we are praying about our own needs, burdens, concerns, is give us this day our daily bread. Our bread is God's priority. Our needs, our cares, our hurts matter to God. There are many these days who claim that faith is a private matter that has no place in the public discourse of real-world issues. It's private. It has nothing to do with the society, the world around us. In response, disciples pray, give us this day our daily bread. Indeed, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as his disciples, 
Our faith in Christ is a personal matter, but it is not a private matter. This petition reminds us that as we follow Jesus Christ, we are not permitted to set up in our lives some false dichotomy between the secular and the spiritual, the the earthly and the heavenly, the biblical and the practical. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says that we are to acknowledge God in all our ways. All of life is spiritual. And so as spiritual people, we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But as spiritual people, we also pray, give us this day our daily bread. Think about that with me tonight. Christianity is not just about pie in the sky. It's also about bread on your table. The God who saves our souls is the God who also feeds our stomachs. The God who clothes us in righteousness in Christ is the God who also clothes us in clothes. (laughs) The Lord who provides eternal security is also the Lord who provides our evening meal. The God of the hallowed name, the God of the coming kingdom, the God of the sovereign will is also the God of your daily bread. There is no need, there is no issue, there is no burden, there is no trial, there is no obstacle, there is no enemy that is outside of the scope of God's sovereign care for you. And so whatever the need is, Jesus teaches us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Every word in this petition is significant. It's it's almost as if every word is yelling at me, preach me. (laughs) The word give preaches a sermon about divine generosity. Us preaches a word about mutual concern. This day, preaches a sermon about spiritual confidence. Our preaches a sermon about personal responsibility. Daily preaches a sermon about constant supply that never runs out. Bread preaches a sermon about sufficiency for every need that arises in our lives. What what does it mean to pray, give us this day, our daily bread? As quickly as I can, I have five answers to that. My wife recently told me that if you got more than three points, don't tell us up front. Just let us figure it out along the way. (laughs) But I'm going to trust you to hang in there with me. 
five answers. What does it mean to pray? Give us this day our daily bread. First, it is a confession of need. A confession of need. Give us this day our daily bread. If you study the Lord's Prayer, you will discover that throughout the custody of interpretation in church history, this term here, bread, this petition, has been interpreted to represent multiple different spiritual realities. But may I simply suggest that the best way to read this text is plainly, simply, and literally. I suggest that bread means bread. <laughs> Daily bread simply means the food that we need to survive day by day. Bread re represents provision for life. Bread here is bread, but, but it is bread and then some. Here, bread is a stand-in for all of our physical and material needs. That is, bread represents physical needs, strength to wake and walk and work. It also represents material needs. Bread here is stand-in for not just food on the table, but a roof over your head, clothes on your back. It represents all that we would need in life. Jesus teaches us here to pray for bread, not cake. <laughs> the petition is concerned with needs, not greeds. It's concerned with necessities, not luxuries. We're not to pray for health and wealth and prosperity here. Jesus teaches us to pray for the basic necessities of life. And in so doing tonight, Jesus is trying to offend our pride. Bread is something many of us just take for granted. Earlier this week, I was at a conference and after a session... Some of the staff at our church was with me. We went to dinner and we read the menu. We talked about the menu. The waiter came and gave us a review of the menu and we, we made our order. But a few moments later, he came back and brought a basket of bread. Of all that we ordered, bread was not on the list. He just gave it to us. We ate it. <laughs> And, and when he came back and saw the empty basket, he asked us, did we want more? We said, no, nah, we're, we're good, we're good, we're going to leave room for the... And he brought us more bread. <laughs> in so many ways, we are spoiled in this culture and don't recognize it. We live in a world where we take bread for granted. But Jesus offends our pride, our arrogance, our sense of self-sufficiency by teaching us to pray for a basic necessity like bread. 
And this is not an, an instruction merely for poor Christians. It's an instruction for all Christians. No matter how much you have, Jesus says, every day I want you to pray for bread. In fact, the more you have, the more you need to pray for bread so that you will be reminded that what you have in this life did not come because you earned it. Bread doesn't show up automatically. Bread comes from an outside source, and if that outside source doesn't provide bread, we will not survive. Jesus here is teaching us to confess our need for him by praying day by day for bread. We need to pray for bread, first of all, because we are creatures, and we need to pray for bread because we are sinners. Jesus here is teaching us how to live contingently. There's only one prayer recorded in the book of Proverbs. It's in chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. Agur says, two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. This is Agur's bucket list. Two things. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. That's his first request. Here's his second request. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. One translation says, give me only my daily bread, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I become poor and steal and profane the name of my God. It's the only prayer recorded in Proverbs. It seems to be, by the Holy Spirit's wisdom, a sufficient example of how wise people pray. And yet, I don't hear... We don't pray like this in church. Lord, don't let me be rich. Don't let me be poor. Just give me daily bread. But this was Agra's prayer, and in a real sense, this is what Jesus is teaching us to pray here. Give me only my daily bread is teaching us to live contingently. He is teaching us that we need to live in a posture where we daily recognize how much we need God. In the church I grew up in, we would sing a hymn, I need thee, oh, I need thee, and I just assumed that there had to been a terrible tragedy for uh, that person to write that song, and I was surprised to know that a young wife wrote that song meditating on the goodness of the Lord. And she had determined that if things were going to stay that way, she needed God every hour. This petition is meant to teach us to live contingently, to remind us every day that we need God. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, is another reminder. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, Moses says to Israel, He humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth 
of God. God provides for our needs because he cares for us, but God provides for our physical needs also to highlight our spiritual needs. He wants us to recognize that our stomachs starve without him, and worse, our souls starve without him. It is God alone who provides satisfaction for our physical needs, and it is God alone who provides salvation for our spiritual needs. In John 6, verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. I plead with you tonight, if you have not trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, tonight is a great night to run to the cross, to throw yourself on his mercy. And in the bloody cross and empty tomb of Jesus Christ alone, there is free forgiveness, new life, and eternal hope. But if you are a child of God tonight, this petition is meant to remind us that only Jesus is sufficient to meet all of our needs, especially the deep needs of our souls. This is a confession of need. Secondly, it is an affirmation of trust. It is an affirmation of trust. By praying, give us this day our daily bread. We acknowledge our needs. We affirm that God is able. But by praying this, we are saying to God, I trust you. Let me just pull over quickly to say this is the key to prayer. I'm regularly, in my cycle of reading, I'm, I'm always reading a book on prayer. Every opportunity I get, I teach on prayer. I've written a book on prayer. But I'm going to tell you, with all of that, I could summarize simply the key to prayer in one sentence for you. The key to prayer is a heart of dependence. I don't care how much you know, how much you read, you'll never get prayer right without a heart of dependence. Hey, church, this is why we pray better when we're in trouble, right? <laughs> but it shouldn't take a crisis for us to recognize our need for God. It should be the constant posture of our heart where we trust God. And this is what Jesus is teaching us in this prayer. There are two time references in the prayer request. Do you see it? This day and daily. This day says you should trust God confidently. Give us this day. We are to pray about this day, not next week, not next month, not next year. We're to trust God today and leave tomorrow in his hand. Give us this day. Of course, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't work and plan and save. Proverbs 6 and 8 warns us to learn a lesson from the ant that provides bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. It is right to work and plan and to save. But what Jesus is saying is it is, it is right to be wise about tomorrow. It is wrong to be worried about tomorrow. Matthew 6, verse 34, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Worry only 
borrows sorrow from tomorrow. <laughs> Jesus says, tomorrow's going to be bad enough. Don't try to carry today's burdens and tomorrow's burdens. Just trust God for daily bread. Worry is like sitting in a rocking chair. There's motion, but there's no progress. It is only confident trust that overcomes sinful anxiety. I was a little boy, and my daddy would take me with him when he would preach, and he'd make me get up and put me in the chair and make me sing before he preached, and it would be the same song every time. A song my mother taught me, I don't know about tomorrow. I sung that song over and over and over again till it drove me crazy. <laughs> and one day, my dad made me get up to sing before he preached, and I got up and started singing Amazing Grace. <laughs> and in the middle of the song, he stopped me. He walked up out of the seat and stopped me and said, not that one, Junior. Sing the other one. And I started singing, I don't know about tomorrow. I, haven't, I don't think I've sung that song publicly as an adult. But that song means more to me now because I know what it means. The words are, I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine for its clouds may turn to gray. I don't worry over the future because I know what Jesus said. And today he walks before me because he knows what lies ahead. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know he holds my hand. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, friend, I don't know what tomorrow holds in your life, but I know who holds tomorrow. And because God holds tomorrow, trust God confidently. Also trust God constantly. Trust him for daily bread. Trust God to provide regularly and repeatedly. Jeremiah says it like this in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new when? Every morning and great is your faithfulness. Hear me, friend, tonight. By God's goodness, you never have to live today on yesterday's grace. You never have to live today on yesterday's mercy. Every day there is a fresh expression of grace and mercy for you to face whatever the day will bring. I wish I had a witness here of that. I, I got to get on. But is there anyone here who knows what I'm saying where you say, I don't know how I could ever face that. But then when you had to face it, somehow God gave you strength and mercy and peace. And looking back, your testimony is nobody but Jesus was able to see me through. <laughs> Daily bread is like manna. As the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, God provided manna from on high, bread from heaven's table every day. But remember, 
They were only allowed to collect enough manna for today's needs. If they tried to store up more, when they woke up the next morning, the manna would spoil overnight. God was trying to teach Israel what Jesus is teaching us here. Trust, if I woke you up this morning, it's my guarantee that I have you still in my plans. So trust me. Don't, don't trust me for just for special banquets. Trust me for daily bread. In Psalm 68, verse 19, the Bible says, Blessed be God who daily, who daily bears us up, the God of our salvation. An older translation says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. And so we're to pray for daily bread. Is that your prayer life? There's two ways to pray. You could pray like a car or you could pray like a trolley. Unfortunately, too many of us pray like a car. We have a car prayer life where you fill up the tank and you drive until the sign comes up or till you have another long trip to make or you see the tank is running low and then we go back to God to get refilled. But a trolley, I've never been on one, but I read. <laughs> a, a trolley has a pole sticking up at the top that connects to the wire that gives it power. And as long as the pole is touching the source of power, the trolley is able to keep going. How's your prayer life tonight? I I'm trying to tell you, don't, don't, don't come just to church for a refill and then try to live life in your own wisdom, strength, and resources until you run out. Make sure you are constantly in touch with the power and trust God for daily bread. There is a confession of need. There is an affirmation of trust. Let me briefly say a word that this petition is also a duty to work. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 26, Jesus says, look at the birds. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and you are of more value than the birds. God feeds the birds. But that's not a license for us to live without responsibility. Vance Havner, the old evangelist, used to say that God feeds the birds every day, but he doesn't put worms in their nests. Here is a call to duty. There's a life of personal responsibility. 2 Thessalonians 3.10, Paul reminds the church that when I was with you, we laid down this command that if a man will not work, he should not eat. And the principle here is that as you pray, you must be willing to be a part of the answer to the prayer. Without God, you can't do it. Without you, he won't do it. And sometimes we think we're waiting on God, and God is waiting on us. We're to work and pray. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 says, let the thief stop stealing. 
Let the thief steal no longer, but let him work with his hands that which is good so that he'll have something to share for every good work. Ephesians 4.28 is a call to integrity, industry, and generosity. He says that we're the, the thief is not to continue stealing, but to work with his hands so that he'll have something to share. That's the spirit of this petition. In praying, give us this day our daily bread, we are refusing to eat stolen bread. That is, it's our daily bread because we don't steal the bread that belongs to someone else. And the bottom line here that I want you to get is, hallelujah, you do not have to cheat to get your needs met. You don't have to cut any corners to get your needs met. You don't have to compromise your values to get your needs met. You don't have to hurt other people to get your needs met. I don't know about you, but I'm at a certain point in my life now where I'm not trying to push no doors open. If God doesn't open it, I don't want to go through it. I ain't even turning the knob. I need him to obviously, oh, you don't have to take shortcuts to get your needs met. If you, Matthew 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added unto you. Or if I could just say it the way I like to say it, friends, if you take care of God's business, God will take care of your business. Um, I thought I'd have a witness there, and I brought one just in case. Psalm 37, verse 25, David says, I'm old, but I've been young. And in all these years, there's a lot that I've seen in my life. He says, but let me tell you what I've never seen. I've never seen the righteous forsaken by the Lord, and I've never seen his seed begging for bread. Hallelujah. Bread is strength. And the strength God provides by bread is not to be used merely on ourselves. It's to be used for the good of others and the glory of God. What are you doing with the strength God gives you? God has been good to me. What about you? God has been so good to me. I just, I just have one priority in my life. With all of that God has invested in me, I don't want in the final inspection, I don't want God, when it's all said and done, to have all of this investment in my life and see no return on his investment. With what God has invested in me, I want my life to honor him. I want my life to please him. I want my life to glorify him. The strength he provides from his provision for bread, I want to use that strength for the good of others and the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 puts it this way. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Amen. Which leads me fourthly, to pray this is a confession of need, an affirmation of trust, a duty to work. It's also a willingness to share. A willingness to share. 
We're taught here to pray at the same time personally and corporately. We pray for ourselves, but not by ourselves. As we pray to the Father, we pray recognizing that, hear me, you are not an only child. We have brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we're to pray with a mutual concern. Jesus does not teach us to pray, give me my daily bread. He teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says it this way. Look not after your own interests only, but after the interests of others. To to receive bread is to be willing to share bread. In Acts 20, verse 35, Paul says, I coveted no man's silver or gold. He says, you all know that these hands work for all of my needs and those who with, were with me. And I labored this way to show you that you are to help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. This petition reminds us tonight, brothers and sisters, that God blesses us to make us a blessing to others. Basil the Great said it this way, the bread that is spoiling in your house belongs to the hungry. The shoes that are mildewing under your bed belongs to those who have none. The clothes stored away in your trunk belongs to those who are naked. In a real sense, an expression, an evidence of genuine conversion is our willingness to share. Matthew 25, 31 through 46 is the parable of the sheep and the goats. Jesus will judge the nations. He'll place the goats on his left and the sheep on his right. And then when he finishes judging the nations, the, the interesting thing about the parable is that both sides are going to ask the basis of the judgment. Remember, Jesus says, the basis of the judgment will be how you treated me when I was hungry, thirsty, sick, naked, a stranger, and in prison. And both sides, this is what blows me away, those that got it right and got it wrong will both ask, Lord, when did we ever see you like this? Remember the words of Jesus. Inasmuch as you have done it, to the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me. One more lesson here, and we'll pray. Give us this daily bread is not just a confession of need, an affirmation of trust, a duty to work, and a willingness to share. It's an offering of thanks. An offering of thanks. When I was a board preacher, my daddy's church well, one Sunday morning, me and the other young preachers skipped Sunday school and went to the bowling alley. I remember, had a cafe there, and we decided that breakfast was more important than Bible that morning. And we took uh, one of the new musicians at the church with us. Never will forget this. And when the food came, we bowed and prayed and gave thanks for the food. And by the time we said amen and looked up, the new musician guy was already in, in the middle of his meal. And we was like, hey, man, you were eating while we were praying. With a straight face, he looked at us all and said, I bless my food on Tuesday for the whole week. <laughs> we, we laughed as well. The statement, the statement is hilarious, but the sentiment is not. I just want to close by reminding us tonight, church, 
that daily provision demands daily praise. Yes, this is a petition, but there is thanksgiving embedded in this petition. Give us is a reminder of divine generosity. All that we have is a grace gift from God. You may work for bread, you may buy bread, you may find bread, you may share bread, you may win bread, but every crumb you receive is a grace gift from Almighty God. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. You know what that means? It just simply means God is good all the time. And because God is good all the time, every day is a day of thanksgiving. Uh, the person who brings home the paycheck, the, the person that provides for the family, the one that pays the bills is called the breadwinner. But whoever is called the breadwinner is taking credit that only belongs to God, right? Because ultimately, God is the breadwinner. Psalm 145, verse 16 says, You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. We are only here, and all that has happened over the past year and a half, we are only here because goodness and mercy has been following us every step of the way. And Jesus says, it shouldn't take a miracle for you to give God praise. Eating ought to lead to exalting. Every provision of a crumb is a reminder that God has given you more than you deserve. I guess you sitting there cool, calm, and collected because you, you feel like you you, you're not getting what you deserve, but let me tell you, thank God you didn't get what you deserve. Thank God Jesus got what you deserve. Hallelujah. And so the Bible says, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, give God the glory. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, give God glory. The glory. The Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 5, that you ought to give thanks in everything. For this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. My daddy was a storytelling preacher, but he would save his illustrations to the end of the sermon. It would, it would be a summarizing illustration to sum up everything he had said in the sermon. And the church knew when the closing illustration was coming because he would turn the corner by saying, if you miss my message, remember my story. <laughs> and um, when, when he said that sentence, you could see the deacons waking up. They knew the sermon was, <laughs> was, almost, was, almost, was almost over. <laughs> there was a simple story my daddy used to tell about a man that um, went through a drive-thru, got lunch, sat in his car, 
uh, next to a park and ate. And when it's time to go, he put half of the lunch that he didn't eat in the bag and tossed it out toward the trash can, missed, but he wasn't going to get out to pick it up. He drove off. My daddy said some birds were in a tree watching. And as soon as he pulled off, they came down and they were pecking at the bag, pecking at the bag, pecking at the bag. And then they heard footsteps and scurried back up into a tree. A man walked by, looked down, saw the bag, looked up, saw the birds, put two and two together. And he stooped down and picked the bag up, ripped it open, dumped a half-eaten meal in the grass and threw away the bag, kept walking. And when he got a ways down, the birds came down and had a good meal. That was the story. It was a simple story that my daddy would tell that I remember all these years later because I don't forget the point. He just simply was saying, if you trust God, the Lord will open bags for you. That situation that you've been struggling with, that burden that seems so overwhelming, that need that seems so great, God knows how to show up right on time. And God is able to meet the need. If the world from you withhold of its silver and its gold, and you have to get along with meager fare, just remember in his word how he feeds the little birds Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If your body suffers pain and your health you can't regain and your soul is almost sinking in despair, Jesus knows the pain you feel. He can save and he can heal. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. When the enemy assails and your heart begins to fail, just remember God in heaven answers prayer. He will make a way for you and will see you safely through. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. One more verse. When your youthful days are gone and old age is stealing on and your body bends beneath the weight of care, he will never leave you then. He'll go with you to the end. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. And the refrain just says, leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Here's the punchline of the course. If you trust and never doubt, he will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Is there a burden in your heart and life tonight that you need to take to the Lord? If you're like me, here's where I mess up. I'm good at the taking the burden to the Lord. I'm good at that. I'm not good at the leaving it there. You can go to church and worship in a setting like this and give the burden to God and feel so good and then be riding home and look in the rearview mirror and see the burden in the back seat going back home with you. Because <laughs> you didn't leave it there. You got to stop trying to take matters in your own hand and leave it there. What is it that you need 
to give to God tonight and trust him with. Take a moment. Thank God for his goodness and his faithfulness and his generosity to us in Christ. Confess to him your weakness, your neediness, your sinfulness. And then with confidence, the confidence of a child going to a loving father. Take a moment. And take that burden to God. Tell him about it. And leave it there. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you tonight for the total sufficiency of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our all-sufficient prophet, priest, and king. We thank you that his death at the cross and the resurrection from the dead is already proven that there is nothing too hard for you. If the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, surely you will give life to these mortal bodies by the spirit of Christ that dwells in us. We give you praise that you tonight are able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think according to your power that is already at work in us. So, Father, I pray that you would forgive us tonight for not trusting you wholeheartedly. Forgive us tonight for leaning on our own understanding. Forgive us tonight for failing to acknowledge you in all of our ways. And teach us, Lord, tonight afresh walk by faith and not by sight, to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. I pray, Father, that you would prove afresh for your people tonight that your grace is sufficient. And your strength works best in weak people. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, help us, Lord, to lay aside our worries, doubts, and fears and trust you to provide all our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen.